0: So, I get stagnated, I get stalled, I get procrastinating, and small steps is a wonderful tool. Uh, You look at the task, and uh, you break it down into small steps, and you pick one. Uh, Now, I've got another rule for that. Uh, Let me try to come back. Remind me, if I forget, the rule for picking one. Uh, But... um, You break it into small steps, and then you pick one, and then you do it. But if you can't, if you're still stalled, then you got to break it down into smaller steps. So I learned this a long time ago working with depressed patients. And and the lady says, uh, oh, my house is a mess. I'll never get it clean. That's depressing me. Worse, you know. And i said, well, of course not. You can't clean your house. Who can clean their house? Could you clean the kitchen? Oh, no, no. It's, it's too big a mess. I couldn't do it. Okay, well, could you do the dishes? No, it's just too much. Could you wash a fork? No, I just don't think I could do it. Well, could you get the soap out and put it on the counter?
1: ADHD Rewired episode 111 this is the show designed to help those of us who have really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention my name is eric tivers i'm a licensed clinical social worker coach and consultant we know that starting can be the hardest part so let's get started but first let me thank our sponsors If you're going to be around this Thursday, April 14th, 2016, assuming you're listening to this the week it comes out, from 10.30 a.m. to 1.15 p.m. Central Time, join me for high-tech and low-tech solutions to supercharge your productivity. This is a free webinar, but it is limited to the first 100 people that register. Go to ADHDrewired.com for more information and to register. Still on the fence about joining this summer's ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group? Well, this Friday, pricing goes up. Go to coachingrewired.com and schedule your free 20-minute consultation with me. That's coachingrewired.com. And prepare to get your ADHD rewired. Support for this podcast also comes from Audible. Audible. Enjoy a free 30-day trial and a free download at audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Support also comes from my friend Tom Nardone, who has recently joined the ADHD Rewired team as the engineer, he likes to call himself the producer, so I'll let him do that because it makes him feel better. So you can support him and this show by picking up a copy of his book. Chasing Kites. Go to Support Supporters also comes from Adderall. Because without it, I don't know how I would get anything done. All right, let's get on with the show. So welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. Before we uh, even introduce today's guest, um, who is Doug Puryear. Did I say that right? Perfect. Perfect. We practiced too. Uh, Doug's (laughs) alarm just went off and um, you need to take care of something.
0: Well, I was going to do that in a few minutes.
1: uh, If you want me to do it on screen, even though it's kind of (laughs) private. <laughs> that's completely. We, we can we can silence the screen and uh, no one no one will ever see it. No one ever sees these videos, anyways. I keep I keep saying to my guests that you know I might right. use these one that I I haven't I used not really used them. Okay.
0: Well, I'll jump right in. I've got to pull up my shirt and uh, take off my Daytrana patch and try to remember where it is. And uh, that's a Daytrana patch, and uh, Daytrana is. Most of you know, I guess, is a form of Ritalin that is absorbed through the skin. And what I like about it so much is you can, well, several things. One is you can cut the patch and you have control over the size and you have control over when you put it on and take it off, if you remember to take it off. Uh, And I use my alarm for that because if I leave it on too long, I won't be able to sleep. But I get no uh, side effects from it like I did from Ritalin. Uh, because it doesn't, uh, you're not swallowing it. It doesn't go into the stomach. Uh, so I'm very happy with it.
1: How long have you been on that for?
0: Oh Lord. Uh, dates and times are always difficult for me. Let's
1: just say four years. (laughs) All right. So we have been on for four years. So now let's, let's back up and, and actually introduce you now that we got your day, Trana, uh <laughs> off. Yeah. And uh, so, you yeah. know, if we see the focus uh, kind of uh, decrease by the end of the episode, we'll know why.
0: Well, no, because it doesn't wear off for about six hours. Cool.
1: So the, the life of it is pretty long, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think it's about nine hours. You put it on in the morning and I try to take it off by two
1: I mean by I'm sorry by one twenty all right, so doug, tell us a little bit about who you are well uh
0: I'm a psychiatrist, married uh children grandchildren uh live in Santa fe for twenty years now um, christian uh spirituality is a big part of my life i do prefer spirituality to religion uh, as many people do Uh, i like to fly fish and play the guitar and study spanish Uh, what else Uh, about a year and a half ago we moved to what's called a continuing care community which uh our daughter thought was an old folks home but uh, we call it the home sometimes, but it's really not. We got an apartment, and but we just got a lot of nice services here, so life is uh, somewhat
1: easier. Nice. It's a, it's a nice way to think about it. Mm-hmm. So um, I came across. Well, I I've been seeing your uh, your kind of postings on on Facebook and and uh, LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. Your, your tips of the day, you wrote a whole book um, about tips of the day. Do you want to uh-huh. maybe talk a little bit about, about that? Yeah, well, do you want the whole long story or just focus on the book? Just don't make it boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a challenge. <laughs> I, you know, based on what when we when we spoke uh, um, in the last week, I don't think that'll be a challenge. You have a, you have a lot of... Uh, Uh, of interesting kind of uh stories and from from where kind of your the evolution of who you are how you come to be just today is is quite quite a story quite a lot of stories um so we know, why don't we just start off with some of those tips and then let's we'll kind of you know bounce around a little bit and and uh well let me give the background which
0: is what you asked first (laughs) Uh, i didn't discover i had add i call it add it's adhd i didn't discover i had it till i was 64 and that's a story but uh once i found out i had it i understood uh a lot of things that have been going on in in my life a lot of problems i had but a lot of habits i had and and for example uh I always have in my pocket my appointment book and my cards uh, because I can't function without them. Uh, My joke is that's half my brain. The other half of my brain is named Martha, and uh, she kind of (laughs) supervises me and tries to keep me on track. Uh, So when I discovered it, uh, then I realized that a lot of my patients I'd been seeing had it. Uh, I don't know, 10%, maybe something like that. I felt very regretful. I think I've missed the
1: diagnosis for years in many patients. Uh, But anyway, I started seeing it. Well, you were were telling me about one specific patient that you were working with where you kind of had that that light bulb moment. Yeah, well, okay. That's the background. I
0: do want to get to the book, but okay. Uh, Yeah, I was 64 years old. I'm sitting in my office seeing this young man. And he's telling me all his troubles, and particularly with jobs. He just couldn't hold a job. Uh, from his viewpoint, it was because he had a really bad luck with an unfortunate run of bosses. Every, every boss he had was a total idiot and a jerk. But uh, the kid couldn't hold a job. And I suddenly got the light bulb. Uh, I didn't usually think of this possibility, but this kid has ADD. Uh, and then I asked him some question It's very clear. He has ADD and about that time, uh, the other light bulb went off and I said, wait a minute, I got the same thing. <laughs> and the, the stuff I was asking him, do you have this problem? And that, does that happen? Do you lose things? Do you get lost? Do you forget? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's, that's the beginning of the story. And how long ago was that? I was 64, so that was many years ago, Uh, many, many years ago. Uh, So uh, then I started seeing these patients with ADD or realizing they had it. And I wanted to give them something about strategies because I'm using all kinds of strategies. I hadn't realized they were strategies. I hadn't realized they had anything to do with ADD, but they just made my life better. And so I wanted to give that to my patients in writing. And I went through a lot of ADD books and there are some very good ones out there, but they weren't what I wanted. I didn't want the history of ADD, the biochemistry of ADD, how you diagnose ADD. I I wanted, here are strategies you can use to make your life better. So I wrote it, and I started giving it to my patients. And after a while, I realized, well, I've written this book. I might as well try to both help more people by getting it out there and also make some money. I don't ever mind making some money. Uh, So I wrote the book. And that's uh your life can be better. I just happened to pick up a copy of it uh your life can be better using strategies for adult a d d slash a d h d uh and it has been a really good seller. i'm just amazed and grateful and surprised uh it sold over twenty five thousand copies and uh I quit counting about a year ago because it was just too much trouble to keep track. So it's more than that. Well, congratulations, yeah.
1: That's great. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Cause they usually say it's self-published and they usually say most self-published books sell a hundred. That's your friends and relatives and then you're done. <laughs> uh, so uh, I was giving this book to my patients, but then I put it on the market. It, it has really sold well. And I just love it when I get, Comments which I get real often from people saying it has really helped them. A so few say it's changed their life, uh, like the diagnosis changed my life. Uh, realizing what's happening.
1: Uh, uh, there's a uh, there's a member, and I think I, I, uh, I mentioned this to you on uh, when we last spoke. Um, there's a member of my my uh, community who has actually been on the podcast uh, in the past. Uh, uh, Lisa Feinberg, who has said that that your book is her favorite book on on ADHD. I, I get that fairly often, actually, uh, and again because
0: I think many of us with ADHD. HD or ADD are not all that interested in the history and the biochemistry. We just want to know what can I do right you know and so that's what this book is. Uh, and okay, now there's my backup alarm because sometimes <laughs> when the 120 alarm goes off, uh, sometimes I think, oh. I need to take my patch off. But other times I think, oh, I need to turn the alarm off. <laughs> was that the alarm to turn the alarm off or to take the patch off? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> my brain goes one way some days and <laughs> I need that backup. Uh, but I already took it off, so that's good. So uh, while I was in the process of writing the book and realizing I was going to market it, well, I'm not sure of the sequence. But anyway, realizing I was going to market it, I started doing the blog. And that was the tips of the day. Uh, And so then I eventually had so many of those that I collected them and did another book, which is Living Daily with ADD, Adult ADD. Uh, And it has not done nearly as well. It's only in a um, e-book. And right now I'm in the process of turning it into a print book and seeing how it's doing. So I, I have a little bit of mission Uh, a mission, a calling to get this information out to people where it will help them, but also have another mission, which is to make some money
1: (laughs) while I'm doing it. And and both of those are are really good missions. You know, I know that I have a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening uh, uh, to this podcast and um, how, when you uh, marketed that book, um, were there any specific, uh, tips or, or strategies that that you can look at and say, you know what, that was what really helped me uh, um, kind of get the popularity uh, for for this book that really kind of helped increase the traction uh, for the book. Was there any specific strategies that you used self-publishing? Uh,
0: in terms of what really clicked with people or turned people on, I I think it was different for different people. Uh, the, the basics and the way I start with the book you got to have an appointment book and a to-do list. Mm -hmm. Now, most people nowadays have it on their cell phone or whatever, uh, but I still do it the old-fashioned way. But you got to have that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You just can't get along without it. Uh, But then all the books, I think, tell you that, and it's common knowledge in a sense. But what they don't tell you is how to use them. And if you just well i've got my appointment book, I've got my to-do list, but I'm still just floundering through life you got to know how to use them. Uh, the appointment book i have to and and things become habits which i'm big on. Um, I have to pull that out and look at it at least three times a day uh, and i like <clears throat> I like the form where it where it shows me the whole the whole month
1: mm-hmm
0: not just one day and one day or something like that because i get lost in time i can't picture where i am in time if i don't keep looking at it but then i'll i looked at it this morning and already i forgot i've got this 12 o'clock appointment if i don't look at it so that's one
1: the the bigger secret of and as yeah. I was gonna say it's it's funny you say that because you know I look at my my calendar probably thirty plus times a day because I, I, yeah. I keep it open on an iPad just it's, so it's always visible yeah, for me today. Yeah. And even though I looked at it <laughs> so many times today in my brain, I was like, "Oh, we're meeting at 1230. And then I, my alarm mm-hmm. goes off twelve fifteen. Uh, is meeting time? I was like, oh, crap! I'm not ready for this right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Uh
0: Oh, well, our times are different. What I thought you meant is that the other thing happens. I, I get it in my head we're meeting at 1230 and we're not. We're meeting at some other time.
1: It <laughs> yeah. so, certainly happens, too.
0: Yeah. So uh, and the way to do the to-do list, people tell me, well, I can't use a to-do list. Well, they don't know how. So the first thing is most of us, I think, make a long to-do list. These are all the things I need to do. And then you can make another long to-do list. These are the other things I would like to do, but it isn't going to matter a whole lot whether I do or not. But these are the ones I need to do. But then you need to make, which is
1: my red card, uh, my red card. And it's an actual uh, three-by-five note card. That's red. Yeah, just regular index card. Uh,
0: you make a rule. You cannot put more than five things on there. And if I... Put more than five things on there I will immediately get overwhelmed I won't know where to start I won't know which one uh, and, and I wind up not doing any of them <laughs> you know? uh, so that that's the real trick with the to-do list you,
1: it's a list of five so what about the person that says well how do I know what to even do first what, what, what goes on those top five Well, there are systems for
0: that, and I don't really use them very much, but you can list your long list, and then you can go through and say, uh, if you want to be real compulsive, you can put two numbers. One on the left is how important is this? I mean, if I don't pay my taxes, they're going to put me in jail. And the other is uh, what's the deadline? How urgent is it? So you can put two numbers. And if you do that, then you can go back and look at your list and you can pretty well see which ones you need to be on today. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're going to get
1: all five of those done today, by the way. But that's the five you need to be working on. You know? And I think that there's just a fallacy about people think that, that even people without ADHD, nobody gets everything done on their to-do list.
0: Right. <laughs> and never. Uh, you,
1: you will you will go to your grave <laughs> with stuff on your to-do list. <laughs> I think I was interviewing <laughs> Linda Rogley uh, about two years ago. And it's one of the, the my favorite things that, that I think anyone has ever said in my podcast was that when, when uh, her, her husband said to her that when, when she dies on her tombstone, it's going to read, finally done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but on the other hand, that's not true in a way.
0: <laughs> We're never done. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's, yeah. That is certainly true. That is certainly yeah. true. Yeah.
0: So that, that was key not only do you need your appointment book and your to-do list, but you got to know how to use them. Uh, another key for me is small steps. So I get stagnated. I get stalled. I get procrastinating and small steps is a wonderful tool. Uh, you look at the task and, uh, you break it down into small steps and you pick one. Uh, now I've got another rule for that. Um, uh, Let me try to come back. Remind me if I forget uh, the rule for picking one. Uh, But um, you break it into small steps, and then you pick one, and then you do it. But if you can't, if you're still stalled, then you got to break it down into smaller steps. So I learned this a long time ago working with depressed patients. And and the lady says, uh, oh, my house is a mess. I'll never get it clean. That's depressing me. (laughs) Worse, you know. And I said, Well of course not. You can't clean your house. Who can clean their house? Could you clean the kitchen? Oh no, no, it's it's too big a mess I couldn't do. It. Okay, well could you do the dishes? No, it's just too much. Could you wash a fork? No, I just don't think I could do. It. Well, could you get the soap out and put it on the counter? And you just keep breaking things down for that patient or for myself until you get such a tiny step you can do it. Mm-hmm. And once you've done that, then you're moving.
1: That's right. The momentum. It's
0: it's like exactly. we need to like
1: knock down the wall of initiation. Yeah, and then we yeah. just keep going.
0: Yeah. So small steps is is a huge thing for so many
1: problems that come up. I know for me, my, for myself too, and when I'm working with clients, one of the things that I often see is that if I have an item that it's been on my to do list for <laughs> for longer than I would like it to be on my to do list, mm-hmm. and I really kind of look at that item, say, so you know what? I don't think that I realize that I don't actually know what the first step is. And then I kind of start brainstorming that and dissecting it. And then it's like, Oh, there was this whole like under, uh, this unspoken piece of it. And then once I kind of explore that and I figure out what my first step is. So that's one of the first kind of questions I'll ask myself. If I see something that's been on my list for a long time, it's like, do I really know what the first step is? Yeah. And that's something I just read about and I put it on my blog. Um,
0: and I can't give credit. I don't remember where I got it, but oh yeah, I do. Uh,
1: guy named Alan. Alan Brown. Getting
0: thing... Yeah, getting things done
1: is that his book? Oh, you're, you're talking about. Um. 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 Now I'm having a moment. Oh, um, well, anyway, <laughs> the GTD. Um. Uh, getting things done. Yeah. Um. Alan. <laughs> <laughs> two years, Any, the name. Oh, anyway, killing anyway, one,
0: one of his tips, which I really like, and I haven't been doing it, but I may start. He has a rule. You can't write down a thing on your to-do list without writing next to it. What's the first step? Yeah. So your to-do yes. list has to have two columns now. Uh, and that's a really great idea. David so, Allen. I just David remembered. Allen, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, that's a good book. So, I wanted to go back to that thread I had left. Uh, Picking one thing? or uh, Well, uh, I, I made up this motto, which, again, I've made a habit. And I want to talk about habits. But anyway, I've made a habit. Uh, if I'm saying, uh, well, am I going to do this or should I write it on my to-do list or whatever, my motto is do it now, do it right And
1: do the hard part first. Do
0: it now. Do it right. Do the hard part first. first. Because if you get the hard part done, that's what's making you procrastinate It's the hard part. It's like like uh,
1: eating the frog. You know, if you you start your day by eating a frog, everything else after that is going to be easy.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So do the hard part
0: first. Get that out of the way. I don't always recommend that. If you are totally stuck, you may need to do the easy part first, but in mm-hmm. general in life. So because I've made that a habit, that comes into my head most of the time. What, what am I going to oh, do? Well, do it now. Do it right. Like if I'm going to write these notes, better make sure I can read them tomorrow uh, and do the hard part first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's another key tip that I think is really important.
1: What are, that, uh, uh, what, what are some of the other strategies that? Go ahead, and I'll get back to habits. What are some of the other strategies that you like to talk about and share with your your uh, patients, and, and that you have in the book?
0: Well, one of the things is a basic principle. I call it the principle, uh, and that's uh, identify a problem, make a strategy, make a rule, and make it a habit. And habits are so important. If it's not a habit, then you got to stop and think about it. You got to remember it. You got to decide whether to do it or not. But I brush my teeth every morning. uh, And I don't have to make a decision, well, am I going to brush my teeth today or not? Or, you know, I I just do it. It's a habit. Mm -hmm. It saves a lot of mental energy. So uh, one of the keys is identifying a problem. And the example I always fall back on, the simple one, is when all this started, I was
1: losing my keys about three times a week. Is now, this soon, why you have a picture of keys on the front of your book? Uh-huh,
0: <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, and that's a big part of the book. <laughs> yeah. As, as an example of the whole process, one person didn't like my book because uh, he said his mother had already been telling him to put his keys in one place. But the point wasn't about your keys. The point was about how you do this process, right? So I was using them, losing them three times a week. I cannot find things. That's another principle or another issue. If, if I can't see it, it doesn't exist. You know? And I can look at things. And this is our brain wiring works this way. Uh, if I open the refrigerator, I'm looking for the ketchup. And, you know, now they have those bottles upside down. Mm-hmm. Well, if the bottle's upside down, I'm not, I am not—I can't see it because I'm not looking for a bottle. <laughs> you know, or if I think it's on the second shelf and it's on the third shelf, I won't see it. So I can't find things when I lose them. So my wife got very, very tired of, help me find my keys. Not again. <laughs> and so she said, okay, from now on, when you come in the house, you put your keys on this platter we had then on this table nowhere else. Well, that's a good strategy, but then I had to make it a rule. And then I would forget. But if you stick with it, it becomes a habit. I lose my keys now maybe twice a year. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, but I have and and life is just from that one thing life is so much better. There just is that.
1: There's someone in our in the uh, ADHD rewired uh, community group who posted something on uh, in the group this weekend about um how they got the the tile which is this, this tracking device you can put to different devices so oh, that yeah, helped, yeah, yeah. you know track the keys and so, you know they got it it's been great except they it wasn't finding the keys and so she gives in goes and gets her her spare keys and finds out that she had left her keys in the ignition i guess the whole time and <laughs> she made this comment about you know you know, there's not mm-hmm. enough Adderall in the world that could help with that. <laughs> and, yeah, but we, you know, some of us have been there and have done stuff yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. It's... yeah, but you got to make habits. Like, uh,
0: I started driving off uh, out of the filling station with the hose just stuck in my tank. Well, that's that's not fun. <laughs> uh, so I made a habit, and I don't have it perfect habit yet. But <clears throat> I take my keys. You open the little door. And I hang the keys on the door, so I cannot drive off unless I've gotten the hose out. I bet your patients love you. Well, some did and some do not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, So uh, this whole thing about make it a rule, like I had to say to myself, okay, my keys go in that dish. They don't stay in my pocket. They don't go on the dresser. They don't go on my desk. They don't go on the table. They go in that dish and screw up a few times, but it will become a habit. And And, and the other other trick, let me finish that. Mm -hmm. The other trick is you have to make, well,
1: go ahead. I'll come back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when ADHD minds collide uh, <laughs> Yeah um, One of the things That, that I have done um, When I'm trying to, to do something New and I really want to create That, that habit when I catch Myself uh-huh. going to the old way I'll do It's called that, that over correction Where it's uh-huh. like I'll, I will go like I will Undo everything I'll go back to where I started And then restart That behavior uh-huh. so I do it the correct Way and I have found so that to the- be Really helpful yeah, so you get the track,
0: the groove worn deeper in your brain.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah. right.
0: So part of the issue with that principle uh, of identify a problem, make a strategy, and your first strategy may not be the right one. You may have to figure out another one. Uh, and that's another thing in, in the book. I offer strategies, but the book isn't about here's strategies for you. The book is about how to use strategies and how to make your own strategy because my strategy may not be the one for you that's right so identify a problem make a strategy make it a rule and make it a habit part of the tricky part and i think people have a hard time understanding this is identifying the problem i did not realize losing my keys three times a week was a problem i just thought that was life you know that's just me that's life and and so it never occurred to me to try to do anything about it until my Mm. wife
1: got fed up you know so you've, you know, you're at 64 years old and you were diagnosed with this. You, you, uh, you know, made it through to this point without that diagnosis. Wasn't easy. <laughs> what, so when you had that, that kind of light bulb moment for yourself, um, what was it emotionally like for you? It was such a relief
0: and I've talked to people, some of my patients, uh, I ask them the questions and so forth. And I say, "Well, you know, I think I think you got ADD." No, I've got enough problems. I don't want to hear that, especially men. We don't like to have problems. You know, we're we're macho, we're tough, we're perfect. Uh, yeah, but but for most people I've worked with, and certainly for me, it was a huge relief. All of a sudden, uh, well, this makes sense. You know, why do I keep losing my keys? Why do I always have these cards? Why do I keep forgetting where I'm supposed to be? You know, and then once you, you realize you have it, then you say, oh, well, now I understand what's going on. I can start working on this strategy stuff. Did you think there's any grief? Better. Well, there's always the grief, I think. And, and this is you see this with anybody in psychotherapy when therapy works, but it's particularly with ADD. Gee, if I'd only known this 20 years sooner, you know, mm-hmm. uh, my life would have been so much better, but I didn't have a lot of that. Uh, mainly I had was this relief and almost excitement, you know, well, wow. Let's see what problems I can start working on.
1: <laughs> no, I know that um, when we were talking on uh, last week, um, there were some other things that you would share with me and, um, that uh, you you accidentally fell into medicine, um, yeah. you you also talked about how um, uh, about bullying, and yeah. I want to actually talk about both of those um, with you, but what I first want to do is we 're going to take a really quick break, and when we come back um, let 's kind of go back to the the Young, the, the younger version of yourself, probably with a uh, with you know more hair, maybe as much hair as I have, um, <laughs> yeah, which ain't that I've much be a long honest. time ago. <laughs> when I had that much hair. <laughs> All right, and we will be right back.
2: My name is Jeff Delaney. I'm from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. I'm 35 years old. I joined the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group. Uh, I joined it after listening to a, another person's firsthand experience of it. Uh, I have really, really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot. What I struggled with before this and probably will going on is time management. I was late to about everything. Um, Working with the group, it's allowed me to stop and think think things through and work on steps that I need to do to get to where I want to be. It's helped me to realize that to be on time. I can't just uh, be ready to leave my house at the time the appointment's at. So if it's at eight, I cannot be ready at my home at eight because that uh, skips those 15 minutes that it takes to get to the appointment. So that's been awesome. It feels really good to be on time for stuff. And that might be right on the dot or a few minutes early, but that is a 180 degree difference from what it was before. So that's awesome. So if people are thinking about joining the group, I totally recommend going for it. You're, you're going to get something out of it.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. This, it, was, it was great. Thinking back, what was your kind of key motivator for joining the group? What, what were you kind
2: of hoping to get out of it? I was hoping to to kind of get better to just be happier in life or maybe to do more what I want to do. because sometimes it feels like I know where I want to be, I know what I want to do, and for some reason I'm just walking alongside of it instead of on that that path. So I was hoping to move over and be on the path that I wanted. And I think that it has definitely helped. I definitely now can hear your voice saying, how are you going to be accountable for that? When are you going to do that? And what is that going to look like? Then I walk through the steps of what I'm supposed to do to actually accomplish it, rather than just go, "Yeah, I got to do that."
1: And so, what, what are some of the things that you are? Um, let me talk about what some of the the things that you get that you're working on
2: uh, um, right studying. now. Studying. I'm trying to study. Study for a test, and it's in a couple months here. And not just not just any test. Yeah, it's the MCAT. So it's it's a big test. It's long. It's all day. It's just it's going to be huge and it's not something that I can just wait till right before and then just cram it all in. So I think through all of school and college, it was pretty easy for me to just get by and I could just pick things up and listen and it just kind of soaked in. Other than projects which probably, you know, weren't quite as good as the other grades for just like tests and stuff because those required you to kind of plan it out but they weren't big enough where it really made a big difference. So this test, it has to, I don't have that option of avoiding. And I think in a Mastermind, we talked about it and I realized I, I never learned how to study. I never did study and I thought about it and I don't, I'm not sure if I really studied at all in college. So that was kind of surprising to me.
1: So, based on the experience that you've had thus far in the group, um, if you can go back in time, would you make the decision
2: again to join the group? Absolutely, yeah. I, I would recommend it to people.
1: Go to CoachingRewired.com and schedule your free 20 minute consultation with me. Don't wait. Early registration ends this Friday. That's CoachingRewired.com. All right, we are back. We are talking to Dr. Doug Peerier. Did, did I get it right again, or did I mess it up this no, time? No, you screwed it up. I screwed it <laughs> <laughs> I told you I would. <laughs> yeah. Per year. Per year. Per year. Yeah. <laughs> Such a charming rack with names. <laughs> yeah. so t- talk to us about how you fell into medicine. Well, I, I'll try to
0: make it not too long a story. Uh, I had no interest in medicine whatsoever. Uh, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. Um, uh, and my parents particularly scorned doctors. They thought, well, especially my mother knew more about health and things than any doctor <laughs> ever did. Uh, and they thought they were all quacks and, and con artists. And people would talk about surgery and it kind of make me sick to my stomach thinking about it. And so, uh, I got married after my sophomore year in, in uh, college, and I was uh, in engineering at that time for want of anything else because I had no clue. And the recession came. This was in 1958, and I'd just gotten married. Uh, I was in, in Rice, which is a very hard school, and my wife was in nursing school, both there in Houston. And the recession came. I couldn't get a job, and I had to have a job. And so I said, well, I'll go back home to South Texas and I can get a job there and you'll have to come with me. The nursing school didn't like that. Uh, so they found me a job as an orderly in the hospital. And I thought I would hate it. Uh, I really drugged my feet walking in there and I fell in love with it. Uh, and then I had different interactions with different patients and I just suddenly knew I had to be a doctor. I didn't have mm. a choice. And my grades were so bad, uh, I, I uh, thought I probably couldn't get into medical school. I was going to go to nursing school first. And I thought if I got into nursing, then from there I could probably get into medical school. So that's how I fell into it. I, I personally think it was a God thing. Mm. But uh, it's, it's worked out. It's where, where I belong. You know, it's, it's, it's well, thank
1: I'm, God for the recession. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. always, always finding that, you know, the silver lining and how to create opportunities out of challenges. And I think that people with ADHD, you know, are often good at doing that, how to find those opportunities where there's a challenge. Uh-huh.
0: Well, that may be partly our creativity, yeah, but yeah. I, I didn't find it. It got thrust upon me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's in so many ways too. It's similar to when I started my practice here. I, I, I was not, I knew I wanted to start a private practice at some point. I wasn't ready to do it as soon as I did. I got laid off and mm-hmm. I just signed my mortgage that week. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's amazing what, what, uh, you know, necessity does to us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what happened to me. Yeah. So
0: the, the bullying thing, uh, I just, I'm kind of in the middle of writing my next blog about this uh i was a bully and how much did adhd play a part in that or how much were those just two separate things <clears throat> i was getting abused at home uh i w- was filled with rage uh and when you say uh, abused um well uh, emotionally abused a lot from my mother and i would get kicked around by my okay. father okay. Uh, physically uh and <laughs> really wasn't that bad. I mean I've seen a lot of patients. Their lives were so horrific compared to mine. But it it had an effect on me anyway. And I was filled with rage. Uh I felt inferior. I was usually always the youngest kid in the class and I was socially inept and uh I was also uncoordinated and wasn't any good at sports and I just I didn't like myself uh, and then I had ADHD. So I was blurting out and I was irritable and I was impulsive. And so anyway, when I was in the fourth grade, I I started picking on kids. I, I would find a weak kid and pick on. Hmm. And the other thing I did, I just had this big chip on my shoulder. If anybody looked at me funny, I would fight them. Hmm. And my last, um, last fight was when i was an intern (laughs) so that's getting pretty pretty old to be out there fighting uh and uh so i don't fight anymore and uh i hate to say it but then i I abused one of my sons Mm -hmm. uh, kind of the way i had been abused and fortunately that stopped and he and I had a reconciliation uh, I really give him a lot of credit for being able to forgive me. Um, uh, but then when my spiritual change happened, when I was, I think 51, uh, gradually I, I let go of all the violence in my life. Uh, I was, I was totally into war. I loved everything about war. Um, uh, uh, when I was a kid, the other kids were out there socializing, playing sports and stuff. I was in my room with uh, these thousands of marbles that I had organized into different armies. and I was playing war and all the war movies. And I was a civil war buff and, and then guns. I had a bunch of guns. I was shooting a lot. Uh, and I realized partly I read, uh, Walter wink who writes about violence. Uh, this stuff was messing up my mind Mm. and I would see a movie with violence in it and I wouldn't be able to get it out of my mind for the next three days. And I decided I didn't like that. I wouldn't, this wasn't good for me and I dropped it all. So that's all in my last book, uh, which just came out, uh, the bully, uh, a story of violence and transformation. Yeah. So that's in print. Would you, you would
1: you say that it's something that, um, you know, the, the uh, impact and the effects of uh, growing up um, being abused that you're still working through?
0: I think I'm through it. Uh, actually, I think uh, I would have said I think I'm through it before I wrote this book. But I found that writing the book itself was a very therapeutic Process for me. Cause
1: one of the things I heard you say when you're first uh, when you're first kind of talking about this just now, um, when you're talking about uh, your your dad who was kicking you and um, mm-hmm. you had, what what I heard is almost a minimization. Like it wasn't that bad. I've seen I've seen patients who've had worse, and I I was struck sort of by that where wow. I felt like I, that I don't know if you were you were minimizing the impact of it, and if it's something that you're still. Um, that is still having an impact on you in some way?
0: Well, I don't think I'm minimizing it. But, of course, if I'm minimizing it, I wouldn't think I'm minimizing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it I didn't get kicked that much, and it wasn't that hard. Uh, but as, uh, you know, as you know, uh, it's pretty terrifying for a child to have yeah. an adult losing control of themselves, uh, the emotional abuse from my mother had much more damage. Yeah. But a, a funny thing happened. This isn't about ADHD, but <clears throat> I was about, I really don't know, maybe 12. What would happen? My father wanted peace at any price. would be in the morning. My mother would put some absolutely unreasonable demand on me. I would tell her no. She'd get hysterical. My father wanted peace. He would start kicking me. Mm -hmm. and I would be furious, not because he was kicking me, but because he wouldn't listen to reason for me. (laughs) Just do what your mother tells you, and then everything will be all right. Uh, So I'm about 12, and he's kicking me, and I said to myself, the next time he kicks me, I'm going to hit him. He's going to kill me, but I'm going to hit him. And uh, I didn't say anything to him. I didn't give a look or anything. He never kicked me again. Mm It's amazing.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sorry that you went through all that, um, mm-hmm. but it sounds like you've taken a lot of that that pain and have gone through some. As it says in your book, the transformation. Um, that must have been quite an experience going through that with your son, uh, as so wow. it, during his as as an adult child. He uh, so he came to you and and to to what kind of say, Dad, what's why'd you do this? Is that. <laughs> No, uh, Dwayne, uh, he was
0: our third child Mm -hmm. and, uh, he was gay and that didn't really bother me. It took me a long time to accept it. I thought it was just another way he was trying to cause us trouble, but uh, he was gay. Uh, that didn't bother me. What bothered me was his behavior and he was always getting in trouble. We were always getting called to school. He was always embarrassing us, uh, well, it's a much longer story than that. But anyway, I was prejudiced against him before he was even born. And uh, I emotionally abused him and physically a little bit. Uh, and there was bad dynamics going on in our family. Uh, when I spiritually changed, uh, I softened. And and gradually I, I quit doing that, but it was gradual. Uh, and then he got AIDS. And all of a sudden he like matured almost overnight when he got AIDS and he was so brave and, and strong and uh, I just had to admire him and that changed everything. Mm. And we had a a few years before he died. He died when he was 26. Uh, and he never, I don't think he ever said, I forgave you, but he just, we had a good relationship. Obviously he forgave me. I, I I find it hard to understand how he could forgive me after the way I treated him all those years. Yeah. Mm.
1: Well, I think that you know, sh- sharing the story that, that you just did and that you are in the book, um, you know, it's sort of that whole notion of like when when things that sort of don't make sense and that that we um, wonder why why these bad things going to happen. You know we can we can make meaning through through our work through the through how mm-hmm. we through how we uh share the things that we've learned uh with others uh mm-hmm. to to help others and to prevent others from from struggling uh the ways that uh you know that that we have the way that you did the way mm-hmm. that that your son did mm-hmm. um well, it's uh, uh that the whole you know the whole saying whatever doesn't kill us makes us stronger it's like well... <laughs> Yeah, sometimes they say, God, I think I'm stronger now, right? <laughs> it's like, please, like, no more tests here. I'm done with these <laughs> yeah, tests. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you're, the book that, that you have coming out now, that one is, mm-hmm. or that you're writing now, is which one? Well, I've finished uh, The Bully. The
0: Bully, okay. So, what I'm writing, oh, what I'm writing on right now is the the uh, Living Daily with ADHD, 365 Tips of the Year. Because uh, while somewhere in that process of writing that first book, your life can be better, uh, I started doing this blog, and I had all these tips, so I put them in the book. And what I've tried to get across to people, and I I feel like I haven't done well enough, it's not a book you sit down and read. It's, It's like one of those calendars, you know, with the saying of the day or the joke of the day or whatever. Or it's like a, a religious devotional, you know, the scripture of the day or whatever. Except it's not dated, so you go through it at your own pace. If you don't want to look at a page today, you don't look. You wait till tomorrow. But every day has a tip on it. Uh so as I said, it's only out in ebook and right now I'm turning it into print. And yeah. Then I, I've been working for a long time on my whole autobiography. I think that's mostly for my uh, descendants who may or may not have any interest in it. But I, I would love to have autobiographies from any of my ancestors. So I thought I'd go ahead and do that.
1: It mm. mm. yeah. sounds like important, meaningful work. I hope so. <laughs> let me um. So let me go back to the the bully for just a second. Um. And I think there's so much that that so so many of us are trying to understand about uh, about bully behavior as a way to uh-huh. um, whether it's in schools or in, in family uh, dynamics. Who's who's is there a targeted person or or who is this book kind of geared towards? Well, it's geared towards the educators, okay? Uh, because
0: uh, my bullying was. Basically in school, that's where I was bullying kids. Uh, And there's a lot of, well, there's not a lot of information out there. I've got another blog now about bullying, and I'm trying to gather information and put it out there. But uh, the schools have a whole lot to do with it. And and how should they be dealing with it? What should they do? What can they do? Uh, So it's aimed at educators. It's aimed at parents, because you may not know, is your child Bullying or being bullied, you know, and the kid likely isn't going to tell you. What are some uh, things that parents can maybe look for? Well, uh, reluctance to go to school, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, certainly a change. Uh, if the kid hadn't been continuously bullied and start getting bullied, you know, maybe their grades drop or uh, their their attitude again just changes. Maybe they look down or worried or something. Uh, those are some of the things.
1: Yeah. And is your is the the book is is it more um, kind of experiential anecdotal or is there also research involved in it? Or? Well, I'm not much of a researcher.
0: I'm not that kind of a scientist. But mm-hmm. uh, my friend, uh, child psychiatrist John Abelson, is a His kind of hobby is evolutionary psychology. Mm -hmm. And so I have a number of comments from him in there. Uh, He says that uh, this is evolutionary, that we start, um, if I remember it, we we start off uh, grouping together to defend our territory, and our aggression is out. But once we start grouping together, then there's a question of who's dominating and so when you're in the group, then there's this, what I call dialectic, if I'm using that term right, between how can we function together and get along with each other and how can I be dominant? And so he says, all of us, especially men with our hormones are wired to always try to establish dominance. Uh, and that's part of it. And then, then another part, he says, uh, when we can when we can be dominant, when we can dominate somebody else, we get a, a burst of testosterone. And he says, that's working like dopamine it, yeah. with the pleasure center. And he says, so it become, you become habituated to it. Uh, so I have a number of his comments in there about what's going on. And so there's all that. I mean, there's the evolution, there's the genes, there's the hormones, there's the family, there's the culture. And then what I'm really not clear about in my latest blog on it, I'm not answering the question. I'm raising the question. What did my ADHD have to do with it? If I hadn't had ADHD, would I still have been a bully? Uh, I think so.
1: Mm.
0: And the other thing is, which, again, this might be a thing for parents and educators. I am convinced, and write this, if anybody had told me you're being a bully, what you're doing to that kid is bullying, I would have stopped. I just feel sure Mm. that I never realized I was being a bully. Mm.
1: It's it's an interesting thought.
0: And I'm not I mean, we're all different. I'm not sure that would apply to every bully, but I'm, I'm just convinced it would have applied to me.
1: I know, you know. Now in schools, there's all these like bully kind of awareness types of things, oh, and I just wonder oh. if that almost if the word itself is almost becoming like too uh, um, too much of a word that just gets thrown around, so people don't even take it as seriously. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, I can see that could happen. I don't know if it is happening. Of course, now you got the
1: cyberbullying, which I had no experience with. But that's a huge. Th- issue now oh yeah that's uh I mean, and that doesn't that does not end with in you know for for kids i mean I, you see that online yeah. few, if you're doing yeah. anything yeah. in the online space you know it's like people you know love to it's like you know it's the, the critics who like to throw uh throw punches and they're but they're sitting in the cheap seats you know it's like yeah anonymous yeah yeah, yeah. It's, and yeah. there's a uh, quote by uh uh bernie brahm says if, if you're if you're gonna be anonymous and throw uh critics are uh, critiques at me i don't i don't really have a time or care what you have to say
0: yeah 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 anonymous is not good and then the other thing that's going on which i've had some awareness of but is the workplace bullying again with adults and i've, I've seen some bad cases of that
1: yeah yeah uh, and i and I've, when i was a uh, when i was an intern uh in my, my uh, in grad school i um uh experienced experienced that in a very negative way uh-huh. so it's uh, it's uh-huh. it's real it's it's real yeah. and you know and a lot of us with adhd are uh, we are you know emotionally sensitive to to the environment and to the people around us um mm-hmm. so yeah it, it does have a real impact you know and it's yes. uh you know, and so much of what we see in, in just the, in the media, especially with this, this election cycle. I mean, it's it's crazy what's, what's going on now. And, yeah, and you yeah. know, as, as much as I don't want to get into politics, you know, it's it's uh, I've been I've been struggling. Uh, I've been advised against it because there's issues I've been wanting to bring up on the podcast because I believe yeah. very strongly I in them. Tongue. But you know what? I'm just going to say it. The secret that Donald Trump says is absurd mm-hmm. and it's harmful for society, you know, because he's a bully and he makes it look OK. And uh, there, I said it. If you don't want to listen to any more, then goodbye. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, because yeah. here's the th- we got to be kind to each other. I mean, it does, that's yeah, not being yeah. politically correct to be kind to each other. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? It's called being yeah. a decent human being. Well, the bullying is so ubiquitous,
0: and the good news is that people are finally starting to recognize it. Uh, but it's just so scary that so many people buy into the Trump stuff. Um, you know, you would have thought he'd been carted off and locked up or shipped away a
1: long time ago. And you got all these people voting for him. Yeah. Uh, it's scary. Yeah, it's, it's sort of his, he's given permission for people to come out and say the things that they've been thinking all this time. But they have sort of known better because there's a social contract that says you don't say these things, you know, in, in front of others. Yeah, but,
0: but, but again, I think it's a dialectic. I think many of those people also have a good side. And yeah. that if he wasn't throwing gasoline on the fire is not just they wouldn't be saying those things because they're not socially correct. They'd, they wouldn't be saying them because they know better. It would make them feel bad to say. Yeah. But as you said, he's he's giving permission. No, this is OK to be this way.
1: Yeah. And yeah. and it's not. And we're already seeing the consequences of that. Uh, even in schools, people are using him to bully kids. Oh, really? I yeah, don't know about it's that. very. um I've, I've seen videos on on facebook uh will show um uh second graders telling their their classmates who um are who are hispanics like well if uh if trunk gets left you have to go back home it's like oh my yeah. gosh that's yeah that's awful it's atrocious it's atrocious yeah so, um, before we go too deep into that, <laughs> let's yeah. so, so, my thing I'm, I'm struggling with right now, and maybe you
0: have a comment. Uh, well, two things. First, I not only was a bully; I was getting bullied in school mm-hmm. as well. And I think I think a lot of that's the gunslinger effect. Okay, well, you've won two fights. Let me see how I can do against you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but I was getting bullied as well. Um, but what I'm really unclear about is what part did the ADHD play in, in all of that? Well, if we've got ADHD, we're different. So we're automatically targets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know what part it played in my bullying.
1: Well, it'd be interesting. We can, we can, uh, certainly can invite listeners to, uh, when we post this episode on uh, my Facebook page, uh, to, to, Answer that question. You know, do you guys uh-huh. think that um, having ADHD uh, and, and, and to what degree um, did it uh, factor into to bullying behavior? If you if you mm-hmm. were a bully when you were uh, when you were a kid, I think it a, it's it's mm-hmm. a I think it's an important and difficult conversation that, that we have. Yeah. Because things don't get better by not talking about it. That well, that has never right. worked. <laughs> yeah. And naming
0: it, like the, making the diagnosis, or if anybody told me you're being a bully, naming it helps. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to say a little bit about the school stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched a part of your podcast with Tom Nardone,
1: who I really like. Uh, I interacted with him before. Uh, he's going to jump out of his chair listening to this just just so you know calm down Tom (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: but uh, with all due respect I couldn't sit through the whole thing I just cannot do podcasts (laughs) I mean if I'm talking I can sit through (laughs) it sitting and listening is hard for me Uh, but I, I did like it and he was telling how horrific it was for him in school for me School was a breeze. Mm. Uh, I just sailed through school. Uh, I would do my homework during class, and then when I finished that, I would I would uh, hide a library book behind my textbook and read while the teacher's droning on up there. Uh, never had a test that I thought had any concern about. Made good grades except in engineering drawing, which back then you had to draw things with ink and precision. That's not an ADHD. (laughs) Uh, But other than that, made good grades. And then I got to college, and I hit a brick wall. Uh, Mm. I had no idea how to study. Mm. And I thought that studying was, well, here's the book, and you read it, and you underline the things that you think are important, and you studied. (laughs) And so I have a whole section in the Your Life Can Be Better about that experience. But then I have an appendix about how to study. Uh, yeah. And in my second year in medical school, yeah, second year, I suddenly discovered how to study.
1: And it just made a world of difference in my life. Give us, give us one tip from that. From uh, if, So if you're a college student listening, what, what's a study tip?
0: Well... I've got to give you two tips, and I'll try to shorten it. Uh, the first one is, <clears throat> and there's research, a lot of research about this. We learn best by asking questions. And kids learn best if you give them the test before they've even studied the material. I'm not, I have some theories, but I don't know how that works, but it, it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what you do is you read a page. You jot down, scribble down the three most important ideas on that page, then you close it. No, I'm sorry. You just notice them. Then you close the book and see if you can scribble down the three most important ideas Mm. on that page. If you can't, you go back and do it again. At the end of the chapter, you see if you can scribble down. Oh, Okay. So you're having to retest and retest and retest yourself and you learn it. The other thing, and I think the guy's name was Ebenhaus, I think, a long time ago, a psychologist with the forgetting curve, or some people Hmm. call it a memory curve. Uh, If you learn something real well uh, and then stop, then you start forgetting it, and you gradually forget it. If you get to where you remember half of it, you relearn it. You relearn it real fast, and that curve flattens out. And if you go back... Again, to where you remember half of it now and do it again, you will remember 80% of it for the rest of your life. Mm. That curve just flattens out. So that's what I learned to do in medical school. I would learn today's material, the material from three days ago, and the material from 10 days ago. And I would own it. Yeah. It was exciting.
1: Yeah, that's that's how I would study, too. And it not it took me a long. Well, it took me to almost fail out of college to figure out that. uh, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So, um, yeah, because, you know, cramming just does not work. Oh, cramming is. Yeah. So I think
0: uh, and maybe, you know, I think in a lot of schools now they teach this stuff as like, probably not as much as, as
1: they need to be because it's um yeah. yeah a lot i mean a lot of my my clients too they study the way you described you studied you know so you look nah. at the book and you think you studied it's like that, that's yeah, not yeah. studying that's called reading right studying yeah. is when you're yeah. when you're like <laughs> working with the material where you're putting it down yeah. and like there's a gap between what you looked at and seeing if you know it um i mean yeah. i i tell people to just go grab a whole bunch of note cards. And I mean, every Mm -hmm. semester when I was in college, I would have, I would have a box full of note cards from each semester. And that's, Mm -hmm. that was one of my, my most preferred study strategies because it allowed me to, to see it both ways. I'd have to pause and say, all right, do I know the other half of this information? Uh 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 Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that was really helpful for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that, well, that was a big
1: issue for me. So I got a lot of that in the book about how to study, how to learn. So, Doug, you know, I want to, we're we're coming to the end of the hour here and I, you know, you you really shared a lot with us um, from a lot of the the strategies to some of the very personal um, experiences that that you've uh, gone with, with, uh, gone through with bullying and and abuse. Um, But the, at the end of the day, it's looking at whatever we're dealing with in life and knowing that your life can be better Absolutely. and what would be the best strategy for people to find out more about you and uh and and your books and information about where they can get a hold of you if they would like to well the books are on amazon uh and they're also some of them are
0: on uh, smash what is that smash words yeah uh and then you got my blog which is uh add adult strategies uh, dot com we'll, uh, we'll
1: post a link to it in the show notes, yeah. That'll, <laughs> that'll be good, yeah. Uh, and
0: uh, people can email me. I mean, I, I if people put come, I'd rather they actually put comments on the blog rather than email me if they would, uh, because I love the comments and I always respond to them. Uh, and I, I I mean, part of to me, one of the main meanings of life is helping other people, and I'm sure that's partly reaction formation from all the damage I did before. Uh, but I try to help other people. That's that's what it's about, and uh, so I, I with the blog, I do try to help people. So if they want some advice or something, I I will try to respond to them.
1: Well, Doug, thank you so much. You've been, uh, you've been a great guest, and I think you're doing really important work. And uh, I hope you're not uh, planning on easing up anytime soon.
0: <laughs> Sounds like you well, have a lot more to share. Well, I'm driven. I, I don't <laughs> see myself even easing up. But thank you so much. It's a pleasure to talk with you.
1: Thank you. Take care. You too. <laughs> Bye-bye. If starting is the hardest part, finishing is a close contender. And here we are at the final stretch. And if you're new to the show, welcome to ADHD Rewired. We are more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. You could see a full outline of this and all other episodes with all the links and resources mentioned on today's show at ADHDrewired.com. As always, there are a number of ways you can support this podcast. Make it a mission to tell at least one person this week about the podcast. And if you're with them in person, ask them for their phone and subscribe to the podcast for them right there. If you haven't done so already, please go to iTunes or Stitcher and leave an honest rating and review. Yes, it makes a huge difference. Set a reminder so you don't forget. think I'm kidding I know some of you have been listening for two years yes this podcast is just about coming up on its two-year anniversary and you still haven't left a review seriously come on send me some five-star love and thank you you can also help support this podcast by checking out my sponsors I use zoom video conferencing every day and so can you Go free or go pro, but please go to erictivers.com slash zoom so they know that I sent you. And get a free audiobook from Audible at audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. And next time you shop Amazon, use the Amazon search portal at my website. A small percentage of your purchase will go to support this show, and it doesn't cost you any extra. Get a jump start on your summer productivity. Our coaching and accountability group begins May 16th. These groups sell out fast. Go to coachingrewired.com for more information to schedule your free screening call with me today. Do you know that I give talks and all-day workshops? If your school, business, organization, or conference planning committee is looking to hire that person, To give an incredible, educational, inspirational talk on ADHD, then look no further than erictivers.com. Click on Talks at the top of the page. Don't just be a passive listener. Become an active member of the ADHD Rewired community. We're on Facebook. You can like our page, but submit your request to join our free and growing community. Watch for a message for me on Facebook because I screen everyone before they come into the group. Production support for this podcast comes from the master of mediocrity himself, Tom Nardone. Go to TomNardone.net to check out his blog, podcast, and to get a copy of his awesome personal memoir, Chasing Kites. Hey Tom, do you have anything to add? Until next time.